welcome to episode 73 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. The playoffs are here, and boy, do we have some drama. There are some uh, series that uh, could feature some upsets. Uh, others aren't really that much in doubt. Uh, we'll talk about all eight first-round matchups. Also, apparently, um, the teams not in the playoffs decide to make some changes early um, on uh, last Monday, there are actually four coaching changes and a GM casualty. We'll talk about that in our rapid fire. But first, shout outs to all the players past and present to a board number 73 in the NHL. Uh, we had a new addition to that list, Charlie McAvoy, of course, debuting for the Bruins. We'll talk about that in Bruins since he wore number 73. Uh, Michael Ryder, Tyler Toffoli. Uh, also, uh, war number 73, uh, Tyler Toffoli still does. Yarko Rutu, while he was with the Sens from 2009 to 2011, that's the number he wore. In 2013, Brendan Gallagher wore that as a rookie. Uh, Pavel Kabina with the Leafs in, in 2007. And to all the players we didn't mention, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. I, I had forgotten that McAvoy wore wore seventy three. Maybe he he listens to this podcast and just wanted to be mentioned. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's probably that's, what his inspiration was. Yeah, that, that's like, that's what he says. <laughs> That'd be funny. It's like, why did you choose seventy three? Oh yeah, I hear this uh, podcast and uh, <laughs> yeah. they talk about the Bruins a lot. On SoundCloud, yeah. Yeah, this uh, is my shout-out to them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, but we'll, we're, we'll talk about the Bruins later and uh, Charlie McAvoy's debut soon. But first, we'll start with the uh, Blues Wild. Um, or we're gonna, we'll, we'll go in divisions, basically. So we're going to start in the Central because uh, these are the two most surprising um, starts here. Um, playoffs are finally going on. I kind of buried the lead there, but... Um, yeah, the playoffs are going. Um, a couple of surprises here um, and there, but uh, for the most part, it's it's been fun. It's playoff hockey, you know? Um, so we're going to start with the Central Division. Um, by the way, so we're recording this on Monday. Um, there are going to be some, some series that are going to play tonight, um, and so this won't be as updated when you're listening to this on Tuesday. Um, so Blues and Wild, uh, they don't play tonight, but, uh, the St. Louis leads the series 3-0, uh, Jake Allen is really the story here, the, uh, it's more that the Blues haven't really been great on offense, uh, yet, but Jake Allen, who had a 9.15 save percentage throughout the season, has a 9.74 save percentage, and a .94 goals against average um, in these three games. Um, I have it broken down in each game. Game one, he had 51 saves, one goal allowed. Game two, he had 23 saves, one goal allowed. And in game three, he had 40 saves with one goal allowed. Um, This is also Yo's uh, playing his former team, the Wild. Um... But it looks like the and Boudreaux, um, 
you know, is his like big thing has been that he can't win the game seven. And maybe this is his uh, route to do it. He might just be swept. Um, so, uh, so Steve, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, can Jake Allen's hot streak continue? Well, in game one, the Blues only had six giveaways. Uh, the Wild still generated enough scoring chances to win this game. Um, this, in the second, uh, St. Louis was outshot 16-6. to 18-6, they were outshot in the third. So in the final 40 minutes of regulation, many led uh, them in shots 34-12. to 12. Um, But the Blues somehow found a way to win this game late in the first overtime because Jake Allen was playing so well. And then you look in Game 2, the Wild win 63% of the face-offs, yet they manage just 24 shots and only score another goal. So it's not like they didn't have their chances. And then you look again in Game 3, they get 41 shots. Um, and then um, and and it, it took until Game 3 for St. Louis to get 30 or more shots towards Devin Dubnik. But it's just... It's just execution. The Blues, when it mattered most, were able to get the key goals. They've gotten two straight game winners from Jaden Schwartz. Um, the Wild just haven't been able to get that key goal. And I know that Jake Allen is on a roll. He stopped 114 of the 117 shots that he's faced. It's. I think it's a combination of the Wild needing to step up and just the fact that Jake Allen's been that good. Like, in 1993... Curtis Joseph carried the Blues to a stunning four-game sweep in round one against Chicago. And it, it was just Curtis Joseph being that good. And then they go into the second round, take the least to seven games. He was just as good then. Yeah. Um, but I think it starts with getting more traffic to the front of the net um, and just really getting into Jake Allen's face because that's how you're going to be guys that are on a roll. If, they see, if they're in a comfort zone and they can see pucks, they're going to stop it. And Jake Allen is in that comfort zone right now. And th- this is a perfect example of how close the first round has been. Um, because if you look at um, the drama and unpredictability that was week one of the playoffs, in game one, in five of the eight game ones, the road team won. Six of those eight game ones were decided by a single goal. Three of those eight games needed overtime. And three of those tilts saw the winning team come from behind. And then in Game 2, we saw at least two teams erase the third-period deficit, get it to overtime, and then win it to tie the series. So anyone can win on any given night here. So St. Louis just needs to take it – Minnesota, rather, needs to take it one game at a time. But if you're St. Louis, you need to put this series to bed because if you give the the Wild any sense of life, if you give Mm -hmm. their offense any chance to breathe, I think that really spells trouble for them because – I think at some point they're going to figure out Jake Allen. The question is, is the series going to be over before they do that? Yeah, that's a good point about the uh, the away team. Like in game one, I didn't even realize, think about how like the away team has won most. I think they won. Did you just say they won six of the eight games or something like that? Uh, the road team won. The road team won five of the eight game ones. Oh, okay. but six of those eight game ones were decided by a goal. Well, that's still like you know that's still like a crazy number. I I thought you said six. Five is still a lot too. But uh, I didn't even yeah. think about that. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think it's um I 
it's weird though because I for the blues here I uh, I think in our last predictions well not I think I did I predicted the uh, the blues to win I think I said in seven um, I didn't think I didn't expect this to happen I didn't expect Jake Allen to be this good um, I thought the blues were gonna win because they had guys like Tarasenko Petrangelo, um, you know, Jaden Schwartz, uh, David Perron, those guys. Um, I didn't expect them to be like, um, you know, Jake Allen to play like John S. John S. Jaguar kind of. Yeah, um, J. S. Jaguar. Yeah. I. I. I but he's, he's, he's my go-to he's playoff goalie. Yeah. He's my go-to playoff goalie. Just mostly just because Jake Allen wasn't that great. Um, in the regular season, he was, you know, he had a 9.15 save percentage. This wasn't really how the Blues win games. It's more on their offense and defense um, in how they, you know, they usually, like, took took care of Jake Allen's mistakes um, and helped him out in that regard, um, bailed him out. But, uh, so... So this is, it's great if you're a Blues fan, because it's like, finally, Jake Allen is performing. And I think, I think you were saying something like, since Ken Hitchcock left, Jake Allen has been, like, on fire or something like that. Yeah, Uh, like, his GAA, I think at one point in the season, was well over 2.70, the worst of his career. Yeah. And then... At the coaching changes made, and then he just starts to go on a tear, and, right. and the Blues are a different team, and yeah, they end the series. They end the season, I think, yeah. twelve two and two in their final sixteen games. And it, it's just incredible. And Allen was a big part of that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the Wild were a different team too. We were talking about their struggles uh, late last season too, or late in the season um, as well. So it's like this shouldn't be so surprising because the Wild were struggling and the Blues have been hot. Um, it's just, it is kind of also struggling just on how the, surprising just on how the Blues have done this um, in terms of Jake Allen being really good. Um, so, yeah, and, and they, need, they need production from their offense if they yeah. want to get out of the first round and continue this because yeah. they can't ride this, uh, they, exactly. they can't ride uh, the Jake Allen wave yeah. the entire way. Yeah, and, no, I was, I was just, like, yeah, go, sorry. Yeah, you, you look at what Minnesota superstars have done. Like, Granlund, one assist. Stahl, one assist. Yep. Zucker's been huge for them in the playoffs in the past. He's done nothing through this point after three games. Uh, Koivu hasn't uh, scored a goal in quite some time. Jason Pominville, zero points. Yep. And while Dubnik hasn't looked bad, he hasn't looked great. Right. So a lot has to change for Minnesota if they want to stay alive here. They, yep. they need their big to step up. And Martin Hansel, too, like... One of their biggest uh, uh, acquisitions at the deadline. He's he's been invisible too. Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking at the Blues stats page here, um, and I see that uh, the the highest points totals they have is uh, is three, which is uh, like they have three guys who have three points um, in three games. Uh, so Steen, Berglund, and Schwartz all have three points. Tarasenko has two points, no goals yet, but. Um, but yeah, that's, that's exactly it. If, if I feel like the blues have to get going on offense, if they want to, um, if they want to a beat the wild and close this out and B, if they want to, um, you know, make it even further into the playoffs. Cause I don't, 
I don't see Jake Allen being this hot uh, for the rest of the series or the rest of the playoffs if he if the Blues continue. You know, um, let's go to the Predators and Blackhawks because uh, this is another very similar series, um, even more so because the Blackhawks have been shut out tw- um, twice. Um, in two games, Nashville leads this series 2-0. This is even more of a surprise. Um, Joe Hansen has uh, four points, one goals, three assists. I think he's their, their leader in Nashville there. Um, but, yeah, it's. I think the first game was one nothing. The, the second game was 5 nothing. Um, Nashville looks pretty good, I'll say that, but... At the same time, this is the Chicago Blackhawks we're talking about. You know, it's not. I feel like it's one of those things. Like you can't let them win one. Even you have to. You know, Nashville has to win these next two games in their own in Nashville, and they have to. Uh, you know, they have to uh, give them. You know, because um, Chicago just gets in that mode where they can't. Um, you know. They have to. They they're unbeatable almost. Um, Pecorine has two shutouts, so that goes without saying. Um, I don't think that will continue. I'm I'm sure Chicago will score again, but it does make you wonder: Can Chicago score again? Um, I don't know. We'll see. You look at what happened in Game One. Like the Preds were seven, were seventeen twenty and four on the road. Um, the worst regular season road record of all the sixteen playoff teams. Uh, they had dropped nine of their last ten at the Madhouse heading into Game One. So I guess the one nothing win meant they were due for something because while they had dropped, uh, while uh, four, um, they they faced Chicago and lost the majority of their last five decisions. Four of the last five games against the Hawks were decided by two goals or less. So it's not like they were being dominated by Chicago. And you have Forsberg, who had 31 goals. Arvidsson, who got the winner in game one, he had 30 on the year. Um, um, at least 30. And yeah, Pecorino was sold in that game. But you're right, I didn't see the Blackhawks. And it, you know they were playing in this game, but they weren't taking over the game. Like, they were passing more than they shot. It seemed like they were looking for the perfect play instead of the simple play. And you look at the second period, uh, I checked, with about 13 minutes and 30 seconds still to play. Chicago had only mustered nine shots on goal, which is uncharacteristic for them. And then you look at game two. Since 2009, the Hawks have been shut out six times in the playoffs. And in games after that, they went four and two. But never had they been shut out in back-to-back playoff games uh, during that time frame until Saturday when they got shut out 5 nothing. And you know... Things are going wrong for you when Pecorine adds two assists yep. on top of his 30 saves. Yeah, Pecorine uh, has more points. Pecorine has more points than the Chicago Blackhawks combined. <laughs> <laughs> Every single guy yeah. on the Hawks, yeah, through two games, yeah. Because yep. the Hawks have got nothing. Exactly. Yeah, the Hawks also had 49-31 to 31 in game two, and... Um, Everyone in Chicago in Game 2 is a minus besides Panarin and Kane. Um, The fact that they lost both games at home is extremely alarming, and now they go into Nashville down 2-0. And when asked about their 
stellar road record in the regular season. Jonathan Taze was asked about that, and he said, regular season stats don't know anything, and that team knows that. So um, they had their work cut out for them, but it should be noted that, again, until you get that fourth win against Chicago, you can never in any series because you look in 2011, for example, they were down 3 nothing to Vancouver, forced game seven, then forced overtime in that deciding game, which they lost, but still, <laughs> they went from 3 nothing to being one goal away from advancing to the second round. Well, and then last year, down through Lewis, they came back to force game seven, nearly forced overtime in that game. Yeah, I'm actually just looking here. The Blackhawks lost their last four games in, uh, in the regular season. And that was the, the the start of that was the Bruins, um, but uh, that was like back when they like I don't know if they cared too much um, about their standings. Um, and also, well, if you're going to go with you can't count them out, you have to count their uh, 2013 year where they um, I think it was Nashville even like their regular season their, their first round game matchup in. Um, Wait, when was they they last? Um, was it twenty fifteen? I think it was. Well, they they won that cup. They, they won the cup in 20, 2010, 2013, 2015. Yeah, yeah. And Nashville, I think, had them two one in twenty ten. Yeah, they came back and beat them in six. Exactly right. Yeah, that was one of those ones where we thought they were done with because Craw- oh right that's that was the game that Crawford had to like leave in the middle. And Darling, Darling came back and kind of saved the Blackhawks. Well, that that, um, that was that in series. 2015, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Darling came in and saved their bacon. And, yeah, then, and then they just ended up winning the cup that year. It was, it was, it's one of those things where I feel like the Blackhawks just, like, I, I think that was the moment where I was just like, oh yeah, the Blackhawks just get into this different mode. They j- just know how to win in the playoffs. And um, you just can't let them, yeah. you know, if, if I'm Nashville, I just... Can't have to put the pedal to the metal almost, and um, yeah, just not let make them sure. get any basically. Yeah, make sure they're dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Um, um, but I don't and, know and if like, that's going to happen. I'm not. I'm not doubting Chicago at well. If you're if you're to ask me what I think is Chicago, I'm not going to count out Chicago until they're eliminated. Yeah. However, with all of the death that we mentioned in episode 72, all the guys that stepped up in critical situations. The fact they were shut out in back-to-back playoff games, both at home, and they're going into Nashville down 2 nothing. Right. I've never been more concerned about the Blackhawks <laughs> right now all season. But yeah. that doesn't mean they're done. Right. No, I agree. Um, let's go to the Pacific here. Uh, the uh, Anaheim Ducks, uh, Calgary Flames, uh, the uh, Cal... The Flames uh, can't win in Honda. This is actually starting to be a little freaky. I think this is their 22nd time they can't win. Um, I believe I believe the streak is now at 29 games where they haven't won. Games. Oh, wow. It's not in regular season and playoffs, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is getting a little freaky. Uh, they almost won. They've almost won both games, but... Uh, the Ducks kind of eat them out in both games. Uh, there was one in game one we should talk about how Getzlaff, there was this like late-minute penalty. Getzlaff 
um, hits Giordano, um, maybe because of that Giordano hit, you know, of that like, comeuppance of that uh, Cam Fowler injury um, in the season. Yeah. Um, which then, led to injury, of course. Yeah, That's why we're talking there. about. Yeah, exactly. And um, and then what happened was uh, right after that hit from Getzlav, uh, Dougie Hamilton starts to slash uh, Ryan Getzlav um, in the stick, and he get, Dougie gets called um, for an injury. Um, there, I don't know if this was news in uh, in Canada because apparently I'm the only one who's heard it uh, when I told Steve off the air. Uh, but uh, there were these uh, Calgary reporters who uh, started screaming at Dougie Hamilton. They didn't realize their mic was on um, during the commercial break. Um, and they were saying how stupid he was and how much of a curse this was and kind of thing. Um, but having said that, it was a stupid penalty for Dougie to make because um, it was a legal hit for Getzlav. Um but we're going to get into that here. Getzlaff has been pretty good. Having said that, he has four points, uh, two goals, two assists. Um, Silverberg has been pretty good, too, with three points, two goals, and one assist. And I believe Ricard Raquel has two goals in those two games. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this is not surprising too much because we're, um, you know, I think we talked about this last episode about how, like, the Ducks have this, like, just have owned the Flames in the past couple seasons, but, um, they look good, um, although, I don't know, like, maybe, I'm just looking here, Gibson has a 2 GAA, um, with a Sabre, yeah, 942, that's pretty good, actually, I was gonna get on John Gibson, but I, I realized it's not terrible, um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, can this sweep happen, Steve? Let me ask that. Well, uh, again, I talk about all the one-goal games that have happened. Both of these decisions, Game 1 and Game 2, were decided 3-2 scores. And in Game 1, Goudreau almost tied it with less than 20 seconds left. But Gibson, solid left pad save, outstretched, um, however you want to call it. Uh, he made the save when he had to, and... Um, you know what, Calgary, I love their pushback in the series. Um, they, they were up 2-1 to one in the second period. Uh, in the first period of Game 1, they were outshot 17-9. to nine. The rest of the way, only outshot 24-23. to 23. Uh, Chris Versteeg, two helpers in Game 1. Uh, seven points in five games against the Ducks heading into Game 2. That includes the playoffs. Uh, Michael Furland is kind of becoming a Zach Cassian, or not Zach Cassian, a Patrick Maroon 2.0. <laughs> Um, led the Flames with seven shots on goal, and he also can hit. So um, the, the Flames have what it takes, and and you look at the penalties that they took. The one thing I didn't like about Game 1 is they took seven penalties. You can't do that to a team like Anon. Yeah. The good thing is in Game 2, they only took four. So they were they were able to adapt there, and they actually outshot Anaheim in Game 2, 37-29. Uh, uh, um, and then on top of that, the Ducks had 21 giveaways. In game two, um, so while the Ducks were up two to nothing in the first six minutes, the the Flames didn't quit. They get a shorthanded goal from Backlund, and then in the second, Monahan gets a power play goal. Uh, 
And if it wasn't for that 50-50 call uh, in the third period, hey, you never know. It Maybe it goes to overtime. But yeah. like you said, Getzlav's made a statement in this series, um, made some monster hits. Uh, Patrick Eves has also impressed me. In 22 games since the trade from Dallas, he scored 11 goals, uh, two assists this series. Um, both of these games could have gone either way. And I think Calgary wins at least a game or two at home. Yeah, uh, I don't think they're going to win this series, but I don't think they're going to get swept either. I think, yeah, I think Calgary is going to give Anaheim everything they can handle. I think it's. I I think you're right. I think the Flames are going to win at least one game. I'm not sure if they're going to win the series though, but I think they're going to win at least one game. I do love the Ducks' depth here because they have, you know, obviously they have guys like Getzlav, but you know they have, you were just mentioning Patrick Eves, Ricardo Kell. Jacob Silverberg have all stepped up. Um, even Shea Theodore, he has three assists. It's like, um, you know, it's not like Corey Perry hasn't even gotten a point yet, um, which is, you know, uh, used to be a big thing, you know, because he used to be a big scorer. Now he's not. Um, so, um, yeah, all the credit to the Ducks. I feel like they're, this isn't as exciting of a series as the other ones, but... Um, I, I could see the Flames um, maybe making it a series, but we'll have to see. Um, I think I think it's a, it's going to be a matter of, again, who takes advantage of the other team's mistakes. Like, you yeah. look at uh, the 2-2 goal that Anaheim scored in Game 1. Like, Derek Englund is, just dumps the puck in casually, casually goes off the ice for a change. The Flames follow suit. They're slow out of the gate. And then just the alertness, I think it was Bieksa who made the play to Getzlav just made a beautiful pass from his end to the blue line. Getzlav comes in on a partial break, gets stopped on the first shot, follows up on the rebound, and right. ties it. So that, Calgary needs to be more alert. They can't let that happen. If they do, the series is over. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the, the uh, other series in the Pacific, the Oilers and the Sharks. The Oilers lead 2-1. Um the hero of the the unsung hero. The this is even more surprising than Jake Allen is for, for me at least. Um, Zach Cassian, uh, he's the hero basically. He had this huge hit on Couture. He uh, he had the um, he had two straight he had two straight game winning goals. Um, I think he was the only goal in game three. Um, He's, it's like a it's like a reclamation project kind of thing, and it's it's worked out huge for the Oilers at the right moment. Um, I think he he wasn't even in the league last year. He had uh, drug issues as well. He went to rehab, and now he's back on the Oilers. He's making a difference. Um, so I think uh, the Oilers have been good. Also, it should be stated that it's not just Zach Cassian who's been good. Um, it's Cam Talbot who has two straight shutouts. Um, and it was also interesting too, cause I feel like the Oilers could have won game one as well. Um, but the, uh, Sharks came back at the end. They just, uh, the Oilers just like didn't really care. It didn't seem to care in the third and the overtime and the Sharks just had the momentum and they won. Um, so this is definitely a series, but I feel like the Oilers have the momentum. Um, now the question is, can they keep that momentum? Uh, what do you say, Steve? Yeah. I'll oh, just take a look at Cassian's numbers from 2015-2016. Yep. Played in 36 games with the Oilers. Registered 114 penalty minutes, three goals and eight points. 
uh, played in seven games with the AHL's Bakersfield Condors. He got two goals and three points in seven games. Um, so you're right. Last season, I think you, I think he also was hurt a little bit last year. Right. So last year, uh, didn't didn't work out so well for him, and I think he bounced around uh, Montreal and Vancouver for a bit as well uh, a few right. seasons uh, before that. Um, but San Jose in Game Four, they need to get out to a better start. In all three games, they've given up the first goal. Um, they, they were down 2 nothing in the opening 20 to Edmonton in Game 1. Uh, fortunately, able to pick it up um, uh, later on uh, because, I mean, you look at the shots on goal. Yeah. They were in at 10 after 20 minutes in Game 1. The Sharks then outshoot Edmonton 34-9 to from the second period onward and 18-3 to in the third period alone. And the Oilers had 23 giveaways, but y- you would think that, you know, now that they have that experience factor – they have one playoff game under the belt. They're probably going to improve. And then you look at the power play shots that were generated by the Sharks in game one. They had 13. Yeah. The Sharks got 16 shots overall in game two. They had 13 power play shots in game one, just 16, period, in game two. And the interesting part of that is the last time the Oilers won a playoff game was June 17, 2006. Game six of the Stanley Cup Finals against Carolina. They held the Hurricanes to 16 shots on goal and shut them out. Yep. And that's exactly what they did to the Sharks in game two. Uh, and McDavid, what can you say about McDavid? Just unreal goal yep. to get on the Just board in game two. That, that's really got to boost up uh, your confidence. Um, and then in game three, yeah, the Sharks out hit Edmonton 58-37. to 37, But they only got 23 shots towards Cam Talbot. And since... They got 44 shots on goal in game one. They've gotten 39 combined over the last two games and zero goals. And while the Oilers have had three goals over their last two games, they've been fortunate to win both of those games. So the Sharks need to step it up offensively because Edmonton's defense has adapted. Yep. And I'm just looking at some of the key players. Um, Brent Burns that doesn't have a point. Up. And Brent yeah, Brent Burns, pointless in three games, exactly. Yep. Pavelski, no goals in the first three games. We've seen that storyline before. Yep. And when your team's three goal scorers are Paul Martin, Joel Ward, and Melker Carlson, you got to do better than that. Well, it starts with our power play, who has only scored once in 14 tries in this series. Well, so offensively, point, yes, Lita. they need to step it up. Edmondson's got the momentum, and they will mm. if San Jose can't find a solution. And they need a really good first period in game yep. four to get back in this series. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, by the way, Vlasic has, is their point leader with two points um, here. Uh, two assists. Yeah, two assists. But yeah, uh, but like he's the only one who has two points. Everyone else has one point or zero. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's also been impressive for uh, Cam Talbot uh, just because he, uh, you know, as I think we've mentioned before, that he's, you know, he's probably really tired. I think this is his, like... He's played like seventy games, um, almost. Um, yeah, more more than that. Let me double check. I think. Um, I think he had seventy three. Hold on, this is gonna be dead air here. Uh, he played a lot. He played a lot. We'll we'll say that, but he played <laughs> se- he played seventy three. Yeah, you were right. Um, so there you go. Uh, so it's like impressive that like he's been able to perform as well as he had, um, 
right now um, without getting tired. Because usually nowadays goalies get pretty tired pretty often, and um, he's. I think this is going to be a key factor to see how if Cam Talbot can perform to what he is, then I think the Oilers' season is done. But uh, so far, he's been pretty good. Um, so I don't know. We'll see um, if that works. But. And, and again, it, it comes back to getting bodies in front of yeah. the net. The Sharks got to do more of that. They need to get in front of his face because yeah. if you can't see the puck, good chances you can't stop it. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know how Cam Talbot does it, but we'll see. Um, speaking of a uh, goalie that the Rangers uh, might want back, um, the, uh, the Habs-Rangers is our next series that we're talking about. Uh, the uh, Habs lead 2-1. Um, the, the first game was interesting. The Rangers won that game. Um, the Rangers then lost a brutal game two. They were up to one. Um, and then, uh, the Habs just got like three unanswered goals. Um, actually, I don't know if that was the correct, um, thing, but, um, then in, uh, but, like, that was a brutal game. Oh, yeah, it was 4-3. So the, the Rangers were up 3-2 um, at the end of the second. Yeah. Um, and then the Habs scored um, in the third, and then they scored in overtime. Yeah, less than 20 seconds in regulation they yeah. tied. And then there was, like, a night. And then uh, Alexander Radulov was the uh, OT winner in that game. Um, and then in game three, it was pretty much all Montreal, um, which is um, unfortunate. Um, unfortunate? Is that the word? I think that's a four. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, for um, for the, uh, the, the Rangers, it was unfortunate because uh, they just didn't play that well um, until, like, they, uh, they scored. Um, they kind of pulled, uh, they had some energy at the end there, the third period, where they pulled Lundqvist out, but um, they were just, the Habs just kept on going at them, and uh, they weren't attacking the net. Too little, too late. It was a little too late, too, too little, too late kind of thing. Um, exactly. Um, I'm just looking here, Carey Price only saved 20 sh- saves, which means um, he, the Rangers only shot 21 times there. Um, so that kind of needs to be better there, um, for, if I'm the Rangers. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, the Rangers had it because they won a, uh, an away game, um, and then they lost the advantage because the um, they lost game three here. So um, is this is this series over, or um, I don't know. Can the Rangers Why? get out of their minds? Yes. Get that well, out of uh, I, I remember talking about it last week, and it was, can the Rangers' offense step up in the playoffs when they need to? Yep. And the Habs in the first period of game one, they outshot the Rangers 16-5. And simply put, I think it was the case in Montreal taking their foot off the gas because they got outshot 26-15 to in the final 40 minutes. They also had 21 giveaways. Placanitz had four of them. Um, power play was... Invisible went over three, only had four shots. Um, in the at the in the end, the the bottom six forwards for the Rangers got it done. But you need your top six to produce. So 
Um, I, I guess, you know, the fact that King Henrik, when you have King Henrik and he's on his game, the Rangers fans don't care. They'll take a game one win. In game two, 58 shots against. Uh, 58 to 38 were the shots in favor of Montreal. Yeah. Um, so King Henrik was forced to be good again. And in the final 40 minutes regulation, he faced 36 shots, which is almost a shot on goal per minute. Um, and you got and you got to wonder, when's it going to pay off for Montreal? Well, in the final 20 seconds, Blakans gets the game-tying goal, gets to assist on that, Alex Radulov. And then, of course, um, Radulov scores in OT. So, yep. again, I alluded to the dominance of Alex Radulov. Alex Radulov needs to take control of this series. And he did that in Game 2. And then another guy who took control in Game 2 was Shea Weber, who, who assists one fight, four shots on goal, three hits, and seven blocked shots, which is incredible. Um, and then Game 3, um, the Rangers outhit Montreal 74-55. to Tanner Glass uh, led the way with 10 hits, also blocked 28 shots. Uh, th- this was back in Game 2, I should say. They, out- they, they outhit that 74-55 to in Game 2. Tanner Glass finished with 10 hits. Block 28 shots. The reason I say that is how much of that factored into uh, Game Three? Uh, did that tire them out a little bit? Yeah. Uh, was there was there any kind of fatigue there? And in Game Three, New York had 21 giveaways. Uh, they were less than three minutes away from getting blanked on the scoreboard. Yeah, Rick Nash had six hits on the night, but he couldn't find the back of the net, and he only registered a single shot on goal. Yep. And like you said, Carey Price only had to make, only had to face twenty-one shots. Um, and then you look at Radulov, and he adds a goal and assist to his playoff resume. And then to make matters worse for, for New York, the Habs went two for three with the extra man. So now they got some power play momentum and heading into Game Four. And it really sucks for the Rangers. You're right; they were nineteen, maybe. Uh, just under 20 seconds, I think more 19 point something seconds away yep. from going into their barn up two to nothing. And then the Habs tie it late in game two. They win game two. And now the Rangers have lost five straight playoff games at home. And yep. they're behind the eight ball. They're down two to one. And now they need to win game four to avoid going down three to one. It, it, it's just a classic example of how quickly a. Uh, how quickly the face of a series can change with one goal. And um, again, just very, very, very tight playoffs, uh, not just in this series, but in every series. Yeah. And again, it starts with the Rangers scoring. Their, their primary offensive guys that were there from start to finish in the regular season, yeah. they need to come up big from here on out. And if they don't, they're going to be toast. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, we'll see. Um yeah, I had forgotten. You mentioned that uh, the Rangers have five straight home losses, so um, this is uh, so I guess they're not that great at home. But uh, maybe uh, we'll see. Um, th- this is also a uh, Elaine Vigneault versus uh, Claude Julien rematch of the uh, 2011 Finals. I felt like, as a Bruins fan, it was my is my duty to uh, mention that. Um, the, yeah. uh, the Bruin, uh, let's go to the Bruins sends. This will be our segment for the, uh, the week. Um, the, uh, let's, well, I guess we can go by game by game. Uh, the, uh, the sends yeah. game one, 
Uh, the uh, it was kind of close in the first. It looked like the Bruins had the advantage; they had more possession. Then in the second period, uh, the Bruins had zero shots. Um, uh, but uh, the and the uh, the Sens scored. Uh, they had Bobby Ryan uh, scored um, one nothing. It was a nice play there. Um, yeah. Um, and then in the third period. Uh, the uh, Sens kind of dropped and didn't really focus that much. Um, and then uh, the uh, the Bruins scored uh, two, one from Frank, Frank Vitrano at the start of the period, um, and Brad Marchand has the game winner towards the end of the third period. Uh, two Hashtag hard candidate Marchand. Yeah, hard candidate Marchand, exactly. It should be Con Smythe candidate now. Marshall, <laughs> yeah, we're right, going to start right. that campaign here. Um, uh, Tuka Rask had 26 saves. He looked really good. Um, there was a number number of shots um, that the um, the Sens had where like uh, Rask was just unbelievable. I don't think it would have been one nothing at the end of second uh, second period without Tuka there. Um, also, we should mention Colin Miller got injured. Uh, because of a borrow, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, hit. He uh, like he collided on his knee. Uh, it was more annoying just because they he didn't even get a he got like a two minute minor for that or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. When he should have been out for the game, uh, it was just uncalled for. It's definitely intentional. He shouldn't be suspended for that, honestly. But um, it was just a crazy hit. Um, but, uh, and then, like, a couple minutes later, the David Pasternak gets called for tripping, um, which is a crazy, oh, yeah, Barry, Baryeski did get called for that, um, but, uh, and then Pasternak gets called for tripping, um, which wasn't really tripping, it felt like a weird, it didn't seem like it was tripping, it kind of felt, felt unintentional, but whatever, um, it's, uh, I was annoyed at the game, but it's, Luckily, the Bruins won, so I'm okay with it. I'm sure you're gonna, yeah. Now, now it's your turn to be angry about it. But, um, but before we talk, anal- start analyzing the series, we should talk about the uh, next game, game two, um, which uh, started out um, again no no score after the first period. Uh, second period, uh, the Bruins started scoring. Um, it was uh, Drew Stafford got it going. Then Clark MacArthur uh, returned and scored his first goal in two years, which is incredible. Um, so that's impressive. Uh, go him. Uh, Tim Schaller uh, got a shorthanded goal, and then Patrice Bergeron got the end. Um, and then in the third period, uh, the Bruins sort of just fell off. Um, and the Senators got the third periods there, um, and then OT, Dion Phaneuf, of all people, uh, got the OT winner. Um, this is also, uh, the Bruins injury list goes on, David Krejci was injured for those two games, uh, it looks like he's back tonight, this is Monday, so, uh, he'll probably play tonight, but, um, Dennis, um, Adam McQuaid, I almost said Dennis McQuaid. Dennis, uh, Adam McQuaid uh, got injured as well. So that means Krug, Carlo, Colin Miller, and Adam McQuaid are all injured for the Bruins. Um, that's not great. 
for the Bruins, especially considering this has been their biggest weakness for the past couple of years. Um, so Charlie McAvoy has looked pretty good. I thought he got an assist. It looks I'm just reading their box scores here. He didn't get an assist in this game, but I thought he did. Um, but yeah, he's he's had the second most ice time for all Bruins defensemen, um, and he he's been pretty good uh, so far. There's no complaints there. There's a couple. I mean, I guess there was one where it looked like he was uh, screening Tuca, and I don't know. But it felt like maybe t- I think Tuca could see it as well, like see the puck as well. So it wasn't necessarily McAvoy's fault. Um, but other than that, he's been really good. He's been our power play one guy. Um, I think just because of all the injuries, I think it this series just depends on how good the uh, Senators are going to be because I don't know if the Bruins will go far without Tory Krug and Colin Miller and Brandon Carlo out. Um, maybe not McQuaid. McQuaid's pretty important, but not as important. Um, but uh, it is really just if like this third period sends show up in game two like they do if, you know for the rest of the series, then I think the Sens will win this. But otherwise, I think the Bruins have this um, series, um, which is impressive considering they've made it close twice with, despite all these injuries. Um, yeah. Now it's your turn to complain. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and refute uh, I everything admit, I said. Uh, <laughs> I will admit that uh, your, your your Bruins um, did uh, did a lot of good hard work, and um, in, in game one they were the better team when it mattered because. Yeah. First time in playoff history, Ottawa was able uh, to limit uh, their opponent to zero shots on goal in a period. And great hustle from Ryan on that first goal, registered six shots, um, kept up that solid playing game too. Love what he's brought in the first two games. This is the Bobby Ryan that we should have seen more of uh, in, in the regular season, but I think he, he's getting rewarded more so for it now, which is good. Um but in that third period in Game 1, Boucher put it so nicely. It looked like Ottawa was playing like they were afraid to lose. And you look at the the giveaways in the third period. Ottawa had eight of them. In the first two periods combined, they had six. Yep. And you look at uh, just, just how it compounded. Like Cody Cece in seven seconds, he had two giveaways. Smith, um, in another sequence, two giveaways in five seconds. Uh, McCarthy. Arthur had two giveaways in the third period as well. When you're going up against a guy like Brad Murray and, David, and a guy like David Pasternak, who both know how to put them, um, that, that spells trouble. And um, the Bruins made them pay. Straight up. They made them pay. And um, when you play like that, you're the Latuka haters. Um, you mentioned the stat. Uh, heading into, um, I think it was after game one, 22 zeroes against average, five shutouts, 931 save percentage. Uh, um, it's not all on Tuka Rask when they lose. Yep. And if, if you look at the way things were going in the first 40 minutes, Boston had every right to be up. Because Ottawa gets a goal from Clark MacArthur. Even the game at one, and, and then Belushi 
he takes a stupid penalty right off the face, just a penalty, puts the Sens up a man again. After one thing leads to another, pucks in Ottawa's zone, and and Broussard, I don't know if he he just uh, back off a little bit. You're a little... Basically, that's spot. Him and Mike Condon, their puck playing is probably their biggest weakness, both of them. Yeah. And so uh, then Ottawa just coughs up the puck behind their own net, and Tim Schuller gets an absolute freebie to make it two to one. And that them on. Then MacArthur takes a stupid penalty of his own. Um, I think cross check um, in the opposing team's zone in inside enemy territory, and it's Ottawa on another penalty kill. They're able to kill that off, but still, every single chance Ottawa could really get often, and they blew it in the second period. And unless things changed in, in the third period, I thought, okay, we're down to nothing. We got our work cut out for us. Then in the Carlson, right after the 2-1 to one goal, makes an unbelievable play, sets up Broussard to tie the game at three. Um, and then you look at, before that game's tying goal, Weidman just throws it on net. And you put the puck on net, good things happen. It, the seeing eye shot fools Tuca. The Sens did everything right, right in the third. They were, they were generating momentum. They were generating. And you look at Shara, who, 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 to his credit, you know, Boston's the at this point. Uh, takes a delay. Uh, so we just had a, as you may have noticed, uh, Steve was a little okay, bit drowning gonna... out a bit, but uh, we're going to pick him right back up here. We, um, we had some technical difficulties. We're sorry here. Um, here's Steve again uh, about Chara. Steve. Yeah, yeah, again, on, on his on the, that, uh, that point there. Like, he just, just, the guy's 40. I mean, he's, he's not in his prime. He's, he's towards the end of his career. The guy's playing over 30 minutes of hockey in this game. Towards the end of the third, delay a game, puck over the glass. Um, I'm smelling blood here because they, they generate a lot of momentum on that power play. They're passing the puck well. They were also getting shots instead of, you know, passing it too much. When they saw a lane, they just went for it. And, yeah. and, and they were really getting Boston to scramble. And then Phaneuf just being... No bango, game over. Yep. Shot from the point. Yeah, Burroughs in front of that two screening, which I loved. I loved how Burroughs did that. Probably you didn't, but <laughs> no, I did. I didn't. And um, yeah, yeah. But three points by enough. Huge game for him. Huge game for Clark MacArthur. And Ottawa needed that win because if you don't have Krejci in your lineup, if you're Boston and your defense is so banged up, and yet you still have a, and yet you somehow get a two nothing series lead going home. Yeah, that's a very tough place for. Ottawa to be in, so they needed to come back and get that win. If yep. Ottawa plays that way, like they did it, uh, for the rest of the series, like you mentioned, if they have a, if they play, if they're able to replicate that third period of game two the rest of the way, yep. Boston is really in deep trouble. I think. Yeah, I think I, I I agree with you. I think it's um well, but at the same time, you know, the Bruins still have the advantage. We have one at uh, at away. I mean, all we have to do now, all the Bruins have to do now is just win all their home games. I mean, that's easier said than done. We're getting yeah. Krejci back. 
um, tonight, it looks like. So, um, so that should be fun. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. That was like game two was a game that we should have won. Uh, the Bruins should have won. Um, but, it, you yeah. know, just it, we didn't. We faltered at the end there. Um, we got a little too cocky there. Um, but um, it should be a, it should be a fun series though. Um, I have a feeling it's gonna go for like seven games. So um, we'll see though. Um, yeah, and, and, and just uh, just getting getting back to to McAvoy for a second. I really yeah. love what this guy has brought. Like, yeah. first ever NHL no, no, game plays almost half the second period. Second most seven ice time on the team. Yeah. On the and then uh, I think he's uh, plays the third highest time on ice in game two. Yeah, yeah, twenty seven. Uh, only Carlson more. Yeah, it, yep. was, it was incredible the way this guy's playing, and he's not yep. he's not getting any points. But uh, game two, four hits, one block shot, two shots on goal. Like, yep. it, he's quietly making an impact. And he's and nineteen I think years if the old. Offensive side. Yep. Yeah, if the offensive side of his game starts to show up, I think Ottawa's gonna have their work cut out for them at the same time they do uh, Ottawa does have Mark my thought back in the lineup which is huge yeah um yeah having said that, I don't think I think Bruins don't have Krug it looks like he's gonna be out for long it looks like Carlo might be uh he's like questionable but he may play in the series I don't know about Colin Miller or McQuaid yet but um it looks like uh that's gonna be out but uh that's gonna be bad but um yeah, I, I think you're, it all depends on how well the Bruins' defensemen play without those those guys in the in the lineup. So um, we'll see. It should be a fun series. Um, I'm excited for tonight. Um, it's it's if you guys are outside of Boston, um, today is Patriots Day, which is the where the Boston Marathon happens. Is Boston Marathon goes, and um, there's usually a Red Sox game in the morning. Um, and then it, it's, it's going to be a fun cause it's the f- home opener for the Bruins. So in the playoffs, um, so it'll be a special moment there, uh, for sure. Uh, and, let's, let's and go. It should also be noted that Burrow cop, uh, got hurt in the second, left the yeah. game, didn't return. It looks like he might not play in game three. So that's good news for you. So you won't have to see number 74. Yeah. Uh, I won't have to get angry at him. Again. Yeah. I won't have yeah, to get angry at him. Although he already did his damage. All your energy and hate will be channeled into Burroughs once again. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he did his damage. Burrow did his damage already, so yeah. I, I hate him already. I, I hate him now. Like, <laughs> I, I want to punch <laughs> him in the face. Basically. Um, although I'm sure you want to punch Marshawn in the face with that uh, game winner. Oh, I'm sure game. there's there's a guy in every team that we can't stand. Let's be honest. Here. Yeah, I, I'm just saying you probably do want to. I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to kill Marshawn right now. Um, let's go to the, another series because we could probably talk about that's our series for a while. Um, the Caps yeah. and the uh, Leafs, they are tied right now at one, um, which is uh, kind of surprising, actually, because uh, people, um, you know, people thought this would be a sweep for the Caps, but... Um, series tied at one, uh, thanks to Kasperi Kapanen. Um, if you guys don't remember, he was the uh, guy who uh, the Leafs got from the Phil Kessel trade. Um, he had two goals in game two, uh, including the OT winner. Justin Williams had two goals in game one. Uh, both go- games have gone into OT. 
Um, games have been closer than expected. I think we would both agree on that. Should the Caps be worried, though? Well, you look at Olpe heading into the playoffs this year, 937 career save percentage in the playoffs. Uh, with at least 20 games played, that's the best in NHL history amongst goalies all time. Um, Oshio Ovechkin, it goes without saying, both had 30 goal seasons. Matthews and Kadri had scored 30-plus as well. Um, but there are a couple of things that concern me. Um, the Caps had seven more giveaways in Toronto in Game 1, even though they outshot the least 44-37. to 37. Um, But the fact that Toronto was able to get 37 shots towards Holtby and zero with the power play, on, and they had one power play chance all game, is, is deeply concerning to me. And the fact that they were able to also get a 2 nothing lead in the first 10 minutes and get bodies in front. You look at Kadri on the goal that was originally disallowed but then allowed. Kadri's right in front of Holtby. And then in game two, Holtby's annoyed at Kadri, gives him a little slash, and he gets a penalty. Like, I think they're, they're slowly starting to get to Braden Holtby. And then you look at game two, um, Morgan Riley just putting on an absolute clinic. He gets a goal, five shots on goal, six hits, nine blocked shots, which is incredible. Um, and um, getting back to the Kapanen goal, the first, first multi-OT uh, multi winner by a Leafs player on the road since Hoblich in 1960. Uh, Stanley Cup finals against Detroit. That happened in Triple OT, courtesy of Sportsnet Stats. Um, follow them at, at SN Stats on Twitter. Um, again, Anderson, I mentioned how critical he was going to have to be for the Leafs in order to make this series interesting. He made 41 saves in Game 1, made another 47 in Game 2. Uh, again, going toe-to-toe with Hopi for most of it. And it's just the guys that just, just the bottom six guys like Brian Boyle that can really make a difference. I mean, a beauty setup to Kapanen on the OT winner. He finished with two helpers in game two, won some critical faceoffs for Toronto as well. Uh, and in game two, the Leafs get 51 shots towards Hull. Um, and, and just ultimately, again, getting bodies in front of the net. Now, here's the interesting thing. In 1998, the Bruins beat the Caps in double OT to tie the series. That year was the last year that the Caps were able to make it past the second round. And that year, actually, they went to the finals. So I'm not sure if that really says anything. But I think in order for the Capitals to really um, take advantage of the series, they need to take it up a notch. Because th this series has been very physical. I mean, you look at Niskan leads the Caps with 17 hits. Matt Martin, uh, 10 hits in each of the first two games for Toronto. Also got two assists in game two. Um, the hits are 102-97 favoring Washington in the first two games. And you know it's going to be a physical series when Matthews hasn't scored in the playoffs, yet he's picked up five block shots and one hit in the second game. So it, it just goes to show you how, how good the Leafs have been as a team under Mike Babcock's watch. Yeah. And he's got them playing to a system – um, so I think the Leafs can really give Washington a run for their money, especially going home into this series. Yeah. But their blue line concerns me greatly because we don't know if Saitsev's going to play. Roman Polak, if you saw a nasty leg injury, he's done for the playoffs yeah. now. Um, and you, and you look at, um, the, some, the, the ice times that, um, that some of the Leafs defensemen played, uh, Carrot played less than four minutes in the first overtime. 
Uh, Martin Marinson, Matt Hunwick played 30 to 35 minutes. Riley was close to 40 minutes. Gardner played in just over 40 minutes. Um, that defensive core is going to be strained big time. And I think Washington, if I'm Washington, I try and continue the offensive pressure and just really wear out the Leafs defensemen because I really think that's where the Leafs are the most vulnerable is their defense. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. But at the same time, like the Leafs have looked really good, uh, better than we expected them to be. Um, although at the same time, I feel like you know their defense hasn't always been their strong part or the reason why they are good right now. Um, but you know, like if like if it was like Jake Garner or Morgan Riley were injured, I I'd feel less confident about this. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I feel like Polak and um, being gone isn't as big of an effect as it should be or it's expected to be. But having said that, I feel like the um, I, I don't think the Caps should be worried. Um, they might. I think the Maple Leafs may win one more game, but um, it may be closer than we all thought. But I think the uh, Caps ha- just have too much depth um, to uh, get this going. And it's not like they're playing poorly either. Um, you know, both games have gone into OT, and they either game could have swung either way. So. I think um, this should be an interesting series for for sure. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if all these games go into OT, um, which would be fun. That would be fun, wouldn't Yeah, that would be great. But um, we'll see. Uh, the uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do know that, it, like, um, yeah, it's not like they're playing terribly. I was going to say, like, Ovechkin hasn't been great, but he's scored a couple goals. Justin Williams got two goals in the first game. I think I mentioned that. Um, yeah. I'm just looking at the And they're all hustle plays. Just go to the net, look for the for any uh, loose pucks yeah. and bang it in. Exactly. Um, but That's the, Ovechkin the has a goal. Backstrom has a goal. Yeah. Ovechkin has a goal. Backstrom has a goal. They kind of need to play better, though. Uh, Hopi needs to be a little bit better. Uh, as a 932 save percentage, which isn't terrible, of course, but that's in two games. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can, uh, I don't know, we'll see. Um, but I think, like, the a lot... The fact that the Leafs have forced 45 giveaways is impressive, I'm not yeah. going to lie. But that Washington needs to clean up uh, that part of their game. Um, because the less chances you get the Leafs, the less chance yeah. they, they have to, uh, to bury you. So, um but you're right. They need Ovi and Backstrom to be dominate. Uh, they need, uh, they need, they need those two to dominate. They need Kuznetsov to be dominant. Yeah. Um, and if they need to make Holby's life and easier, Jennifer. they need to clear. They need to clear the traffic in front of them because the Leafs are doing all the little things right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it it's it's just it, it's just going to be really tough for for Washington to eat. Erase the doubt in everyone's minds as to you know, oh, can they can they get past the second round if if they're having trouble um, getting rid of Toronto? And not to say Toronto's a bad team, but but their second wildcard team that uh, went one and eight in shootouts, yeah. and you know if it wasn't for the extra point, you know who knows if they make the playoffs or not. So right, um, the least to their credit, they've been good, but Washington needs to be better. They need Need to they need to take it up a notch, and um, I think um, if they take care of business on the road, 
um, they're they're in real good position. But uh, I'm I'm really concerned if if the Leafs even earn a split at home because you look at the fact that the Jays are struggling, the Raptors laid an egg <laughs> in Game One of their home playoff game. They Everyone is paying attention to the Leafs right yeah. now. In Toronto. Everyone is paying attention to the Well, Leafs they always right pay attention to the Leafs. It's their number one team there, right? But especially now, they realize, yeah. oh my God, this series is tied. We're not going to get swept. Yeah. This could be interesting. True. That's a good point. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go to the other series, the last series we talked about. Uh, this is the, actually, a lot of stuff has happened here. Um, the uh, Penguins, Jackets, Blue Jackets, Penguins lead 3-0. Um, let's see here. Uh, we can talk about, the, well, the Penguins look really good, and the Jackets look kind of defeated. Um, uh, Crosby has five points. Malkin has six points. Uh, Kessel has two points. But Gensel has a hat trick, um, four goals in the series. He leads uh, the whole playoffs in uh, goals. Um, Rust was the, although Rust, Brian Rust was the first to three goals, um, and also more bad news for the Jackets, Zach Wierenski is out for the injury. Before we talk about Calvert, um, uh, do you have anything on those things I just mentioned? Well, um, the interesting part is late last season, if you all recall, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury suffered a concussion. Matt Murray yep. took over the number one spot. We oh, all yeah, know what Matt, happened. They yeah. win their fourth Stanley Cup. And then game one, warm-ups, uh, Matt, Matt Murray, Murray gets leaves injured. mysteriously. Uh-oh, what's happening? Yeah. yeah. Fleur, I forgot to mention Flower that. Comes yeah. In. yeah, Flower comes in, just plays really well. 16 first-period saves, 31 saves in the game. Uh, and it's just the reason the Columbus defeat is that the Penguins uh, scored twice in a span of 2-3 to grab the lead in the seconds. Just yeah. those flurry of goals, though, that really deflate you. Everything You think everything's going right. You outshoot a team, right. one of the best teams in the league, 16-3 to in the in the, fir- in the first. You, you think you would think, you know, you get one by them, and then just bang, bang, you're down 2 nothing early in the second. You're just like, man, yeah. how are you going to beat these guys? And in that second period, Pittsburgh outshot Columbus. Columbus 16 to 4, so just a total momentum swing. Yeah. And then they're up 3 nothing in the third. But you know, you would think, you know, okay, that's one game, you know, they're they're gonna come back. Um the Jackets, two giveaways as a team in game two. Mm-hmm. And they get fifty one hits, a hundred combined hits in the first two games. Um they get forty shots towards Flurry. Again, on the stat sheet you would think you would think they, they did pretty much everything. They, they'd probably be able to score more than one goal. Unfortunately, they only get a single goal in Game 2. Malkin and Kessel were dynamite uh, in Game 1, and then Crosby and Gensel turn it up another level in uh, Game 2. Crosby at three points, Gensel at two. Um, and then after the Blue Jackets tied at one, Pittsburgh scores 51 seconds later to retake the lead. So again, the momentum sways in Pittsburgh's direction, yep. and just everything look going Pittsburgh's way, and that's where I thought, even though I thought Columbus would make a series of it, I still hope they make a series of it and somehow force it to seven yep. games. But I don't know how likely that's going to happen now. Right. But the reason I pick Pittsburgh to win is because they've been there, they've done that, they know how to come back from adversity. Columbus, I'm not so sure of. Yeah. And no, through the first, and and then you look at Game Three. I mean. 
came yeah, that was the it. one game where I felt like the Jackets could have won in Game Three, yeah. but they didn't. And, and they should have won because yeah. in the first six minutes they were up three to one. Cam Atkinson scores twice. Yep. And and this was a guy who had six total shots for the first two games, zero goals to show for it. Um, but they, they blow that three to one lead. They're actually down four to three, and they have to tie it to force overtime. And then they lose in overtime thanks to a hat trick goal from Gensel. Right. So then, then you really, then you really start to think, okay, uh, how are we going to come back from this now? Yeah. And if it was Pittsburgh, the, the fact that Pittsburgh is doing this with Matt Murray injured and yep. with their banged up defensive core is it, just really deflating, like you said, to a Columbus team that I was really hoping would. Well, I think that would, would, it, would, yeah. it, would at least get a win here. I think it really just shows how much depth the Penguins have in their forward group. Um, you know, guys like Pencil, yeah. Rust, um, Cheery has been pretty good too. Um, you know, those guys like they've they've been on top, and it like it shows that like even without Matt Murray out and all these defensemen out, they can still dominate the in these games. So um, yeah, they know how to win. Yeah. Uh, of course, it helps if you have guys like Crosby and Malkin on your team too. So um, we shall see. Um, but we also should talk about how on the end of Game 2, uh, the game was kind of already over, but the Jackets, uh, Matt Calvert uh, cracked his stick on Kunakel. He was like his shoulder. And then yeah, it was his arm, yeah. It was his arm, yeah. Um, and then he uh, shoves him. It was definitely intentional. Um, at first, it looked like the NHL wasn't going to suspend Calvert at all. But they eventually, I guess after public pressure, uh, Steve being the main guy, uh, they su- <laughs> they suspended him one game. Um, I think this is enough, um, particularly because that's how the series the series was looking like it was a sweep. I um, mean, it's like a playoff. One playoff game is like five regular season games, I feel like, just because there's so much short, um, you know, so many few games left um, that they could play, but... I think you're going to say he should have been. He should be out for the entire series or something like that. Um, but yeah, I'll let you rant on this now. Yeah. So um, you know, four one games out of reach, seconds ticking away on the clock in regulation. Frustration starting to build on Columbus. You could tell. I mean, yep. they did everything right in the second period, except in the second game, except score. And I get that why frustrations build there. Yep. But. Matt Calvert just makes a dumb play, breaks a stick with a check to Kunakel's arm, shaking up after the play, still on his feet, but he's hunched over. Not not really ready for the incoming body check that Calvert delivers. Yep. And and this isn't a body check. He cross-checks him, breaks his stick. Calvert breaks his stick, turns around, and then lays a body check on him when he doesn't expect anything. Yep. Puck was nowhere near Tom Kunakel the entire time. Yep. And again, all this happened in the last minute of the game, in the final seconds, game's out of reach, yep. nothing matters. And the suspension video, the NHL player safety decisions, calls this message sending. Are you kidding me? <laughs> One game is a far cry from sending a message to a guy who did something so called uncalled for and ensure he, he just, you know, cross-checks him yep. and he just, you know... He just turns around and, and just lays an invisible bike check. Oh, I didn't expect him to be there. Like, right. 
That was clearly intentional. Yeah. How was that one game? Like, it's, I, it's absurd. Then again, then again, these are the same people that gave Shea Weber nothing a few years ago for his hit on Zetterberg right, when which it looked vicious enough to be at least a game suspension, you know? Yeah, I, which I mentioned but to yeah, you before. But, yeah, the entire series, uh, three to five games is what I would do. Yeah. Like, that's, that's I, not hockey. Yeah. And, and, you, and you look at the stuff, like, more more on Naslin, like, way back when, right, you know? Well. What did Moore get for that? Nothing. And then you got what you got with Bertuzzi on Moore because the NHL didn't send the proper message. They yeah. didn't again, and they better hope nothing else comes out of it. Because yeah. this is how things escalate. I wonder what's... Yeah, that, that is a good call. I wonder what's going to happen in uh, Game 4 now that Calvert's going to be back because... Um, I'm sure I'm sure the Penguins are going to want their revenge, but maybe they'll be disciplined enough and uh, take it too hard. I think, we'll I, think I think Columbus is going to play it safe and yep. not want their season to end, and they're just going to focus on the game. But you're right; if if, if things get but way the out Penguins of hand, could the Penguins could be if, angry if, though. If things get out of hand and the score is out of reach, it could yeah. happen. It could happen exactly. Uh, we have to get going though. Uh, let's go to the rapid fire because a few things happened to. Uh, t- teams that aren't in the playoffs. Um, a lot happened, yeah. Uh, the Kings fire the biggest, the most surprising news, the Kings fired uh, Daryl Sutter and Dean Lombardi. This automatically makes uh, Daryl Sutter the top prize for coaches. It's the, like, reminds me of Mike Babcock leaving a couple of years ago. Um, but like Sutter, yeah, so Sutter is now a coaching free agent. I think he, he can go anywhere. Um, I thought he was going to go to Dallas, but we'll talk about that later. You thought he was going to go to Vegas, and they both hire their coach, which we'll talk about in yeah. a minute. But um, I guess it's like it's surprising just in the fact that these these guys won the Kings two cups. Um, they've had two disappointing seasons afterwards, so I guess it's not surprising that. Point and I guess they kind of it's kind of reminds me of the Bruins in the sense that they just you know people got sick of them and they use the cup as like an example of like as a reason for them to remain in the team organization for a bit longer. But um, who knows if they uh, you know they just lost the room basically. Um, yeah, Daryl Sutter is one of the best coaches in all of the league. So I'm yeah. sure I would – I'm trying to guess, like, what team he'll go to. But, um, yeah, he's uh, he's no longer a king. Yeah, it's it's just the fact that all this change happened. Like, this is the fourth coaching team change in a two-day stretch, if I'm not mistaken. We had yeah, at least four casualties like the entire regular season. And then all this happens in one day. Of course, a few hours after recording the podcast, this comes yeah, out. Yeah, true. Um, but uh, Lombardi and Sutter both let go at the same day. That that kind of took me off guard. Um, but it, it's it doesn't mean the Kings are rebuilding. But it just all the fact that Lombardi made the Bishop trade, made the Aginla trade. They're expected to make the playoffs, I think. And the fact that they didn't, I think, factors into this decision. As does the fact they missed the playoffs in two of the last three years. And the year they made it, they were a first-round knockout last year against San Jose. Yeah. So the fact that on their leadership, they now all of a sudden they won nothing before, 
And now they win a couple of cups in a span of three years, and everyone's thinking, okay, we got to do something here. We need to get back to winning again. And yeah. it's, it's just the sad reality of the NHL. Like, your heroes one day, and your zeros the next. So yeah. I can see why they made the decision, but nevertheless, still a shock to the system after you look at what they've done for this franchise. Because, again, before they came along, they had nothing. Um, and I, it's hard to say. I think Sutter goes back when there's a perfect situation that arises because he didn't get back into coaching right away um, when he was fired from his last gig to the time that he got um, to the time he went to the Kings. There was about a year or two, you know, of, of you know, family time or, or, or time on the farm, you know, in Alberta. So I, I think he's going to take his time. I don't really see an option that's available there for him. Maybe Florida and the re- reason why I say Florida is because they have a lot of young guys, yep. but I think they I think they could be turned into winners pretty soon, and I think he's the coach to do that. Dean Lombardi is a difficult – it's another animal in itself because there's not really as high a market for GMs unless one of them gets fired. Right. Um, so I think he's going to get back in the game eventually, but not right away. Uh, what, another thing that concerns me about – this move is who got promoted I mean you look at Luke Robitaille he received a promotion Rob Blake it looks like he's the new general manager um, do you hear what happened to the Dallas Stars when they hired their co-general manager uh, ended with a controversial decision to sign Sean Avery to a four year deal um, oh, yeah. they better Hall. hope that Rob Blake ends up being a Steve Eiserman than a Brett Hall yeah. because these former players becoming head coaches and GMs you don't know what you're going to get half the time, you know? Right. Well, Don Sweeney is another example of that, um, as well as, um, well, the Oilers had, um, didn't they get, they had a couple of former players on, on the in the front office as well, so. Um, Kevin Tavich was a head yeah. coach, Kevin Lowe was the GM, yeah. Yeah, so. That, I mean, Garth Snow is the GM of the Islanders for crying sure, out loud. Sure, yeah, exactly. Uh, Ron Hextall, the Flyers, it's like, yeah. you can you name more examples than just the Bob stars Clark, and the Flyers for a yeah. time, yeah. Um, yeah, the Bruins with Cam Neely and Sweeney, as I, think I mentioned before. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's one of those things where it doesn't really work out most of the time, but um, it's one of those things, I guess. Uh, players, former players, do it. Although for Steve, guys like Steve Yzerman, it's a little different because he never was a Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you yeah. know, as opposed to all these other guys we mentioned, because they were, you know, Sackick was on the Colorado Avalanche, and yeah. Sweeney and Neely were Bruins, and McTavish and Lowe were Oilers, you know, so it's, um, it's a little different when it's your own team you're kind of messing up, or have the reins to, um, whereas you're not necessarily, like, if you're Yasemin, you don't, you're like, oh, uh, I can do what I want, I don't know, um, uh, my legacy isn't intact if I mess up, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I also find I find it interesting. How Lindy Ruff and Daryl Sutter are both yeah. both kicking around at the same time. Whereas you know you look at when Michelle Terrian was fired and the big prize was Claude Julian. Yeah, and now you've got two experienced, successful coaches on the market at the same time in the off season. You know? Yeah, yeah. I am curious where Daryl Sutter will go. I guess. I, I'm thinking the Panthers just because he's the only one that seems to be available. But I could also yeah. see like Colorado maybe like firing their coach after one year 
yeah, they've had a historically bad season. Um, you know, um, that could that could be interesting. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, and Dean, Dean Lombardi, it's even tougher to predict for GMs because a lot of GMs still have their job, but, um, I, I feel like he's, he'll, he'll probably go to another team soon. Um, we'll see. Um, hey, maybe if Cam Neely gets fired, you never know. He could come to Boston. Uh, that would be my nightmare, actually. I don't know if I want <laughs> Dean Lombardi. Like, like he did do well. You take Cam Neely over Lombardi, would you? I, I, actually, no, I would, I would take Cam. Well, it's a little different because the president of hockey operation does a different job than a uh, GM. But like he did, like he had the the Jeff Carter moves, and he had the um, he brought Jeff Carter and Mike Richards, um, and I think he did. Uh, uh, he brought Marion Gabrick, and those were good moves to uh, get them the cups. But then, like, the other years, he didn't really do so well. Like, you know, he had, he signed these contracts to different Kings players that kind of underperformed. Um, it kind of reminds me a lot like what Shirelli did. Um, so, I don't know. It's it, he may, And he also messed up Team USA in the World Cup. Um, you know, he didn't put Kessel in. So that kind of, like, that's like a point against him for his mess. I blame Dean Lombardi more for the U.S. mess up than Tortorella. So um, I don't know. I, f- I feel I don't know. I think he still will be a GM somewhere. Whether he'll succeed in that position, I don't think he will. Per se. Um, let's go to another team, though. The star, the Stars, the Dallas Stars. They uh, they fired Lindy Ruff last week. Um, they, uh, they hired, uh, Ken Hitchcock here, um, again, this was, uh, Ken Hitchcock, they, uh, they won the cup in 99 with him, um, in Dallas, and now he's back to form, um, in Dallas. It is kind of funny, though, when you look at the Blues and how they are now, and Jake Allen is like, as we mentioned, like, without Ken Hitchcock, you know, Jake Allen's finally performed without him. Um, or played up to his potential without him. It's like um, you gotta wonder if you're the stars. You're like, oh, we may have gotten like, like this. This coach was supposed to help our goalies, not hurt our goalies. Um, and now you look at Jake Allen. And you're like, oh, wait a second. Maybe we should rethink this. But um, it could work out. We'll see. Uh, Ken Hitchcock is yeah. So he's. Uh, what do you think here? Yeah, it's 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 interesting considering you know how much success they had the first go around. Yep. I mean, two hundred seventy-seven wins, Stanley Cup in ninety-nine. Also, uh, led them to the finals again the year after in two thousand. Also, it looks like uh, Ken Hitchcock's not retired because he said that he was going to retire, but I guess he's now retired. Yeah, and that was the plan after he was fired by the Blues. Yep. But then he got some calls from coaches, and he, that kind of revved up the engine a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. um, he describes the Stars being. Hockey has reckless energy, and that you never ever felt like you were in control of anything when you played against them. Um, the one thing that he mentioned that they need is positional play, a better positional structure, defensive yep. structure, and that's what's promising. That being said, Lindy Ruff, you look at what he had to work with. He had had Shick and Miller at different times in Buffalo. He didn't have either guy in Dallas. Right. Uh, Hitchcock had a tandem of Allen and Elliott. He was able to get a lot out of them, but. 
again, his team was structured defensively, and they had the players to bring out the best structure game they could envision. That's what... That's the job of Jim Neal. He still has plenty of work to do. He needs to help out the defense. He needs yep. to get better goaltending. Um, yeah, it's not over yet in terms of their what the yeah, Stars need to do. There's still a lot of work to be done in, in that yep. regard. Uh, the interesting thing is, according to the NHL's website, Hitchcock has the option of moving into a consulting role in the event he wants to stop coaching. So um, on top of the multi-year agreement, uh, there is a plan B for Ken uh, okay. once he's coaching. Interesting. So. Um. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. I don't know, like, he does have a good defensive system, but in terms of goalies, I don't know necessarily if he has that. Um, you would yeah. probably be worried, if, you, if you're if you a Stars fan, you'd probably be worried if you look at, like, what Jake Allen's doing now, um, just seeing what he's doing now. But, um, yeah, uh, Las Vegas hires uh, Gerard Gallant. Of course, they have more, they have even more work to do than the Stars do. Um, but, uh, yeah, they hired Dragoland. Um, I guess this was like, this was like right after Ken Hitchcock signed with the stars. Um, I don't know. We'll see, um, if this works, but it, it should be an interesting hire for them. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, he was asked about actually the timetable to make the playoffs and win a cup, um, in Las Vegas, so Bill Foley, their owner, previously said that a playoff appearance in three years and a Stanley Cup title in six years was what he envisioned. When asked about that, Gallant didn't say too much, but here's his exact quote. The playoffs are going to happen. We know it will happen, so it's, we hope it's on Bill's timetable. I take it one day at a time. We're going to work hard. We're going to build a strong organization, a strong hockey team here, and hopefully that happens. You look at the NHL today from first to worst, there's not a big difference. We're going to get a lot of good hockey players. Yeah. As coach, you don't you can't look long term. You have to look at the next day and get better every day. When you take care of the little things, big things happen. Uh, so he's got 152 NHL wins on his belt. Not nearly as impressive Wait. as Daryl Sutter's numbers, obviously. But as to whether and why they made this change, I don't think Vegas can handle a proven winner like Daryl Sutter right yeah. now. Because expansion teams they're probably going to be young and inexperienced. They need someone like Gerard who can be a good fit in both the short term and long term. Yeah. We know what he did with Florida. He he, he's, he knows how to handle the young players. Daryl Sutter is one of those guys you bring in to make the playoffs today, right. not down the road. So, like, Daryl Sutter, he, he, he wants winners right now. Yeah. And it's I, when we don't know what Vegas is yet – it's pretty yeah. tough uh, to make Daryl yeah. Sutter your head coach, you know? Yeah. Wait, did Bill Foley say that he expects to make the playoffs in three years when he doesn't even have a roster yet? Initially, he hopes that they'll make the playoffs and in three years. And a cup in six years? Cup in six years, <laughs> yep. That's um, what he previously said. Okay, I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, we'll see. Hey, it, worked, it worked for L.A., it worked for Chicago. Yeah, but it's an expansion <laughs> team. It's like I don't know. It's uh, like like it's it's taken forever for the Blue Jackets and the Wild to even make the playoffs or be serious contenders. Um, oh, it took ten gosh. years, right? It's yeah, like, it doesn't seem logical, but uh, I got to admire his confidence. Uh, that yeah. takes some serious cojones for an owner <laughs> to say that. So. Um, also, I found out that the uh, the va- uh, the Golden Knights could win the lottery, uh, so they could get Nolan Patrick if they do it. <laughs> Imagine that, right? Oh. I mean, 
if, if, that, if, would, if the, that would just be a real yeah. t- that many shots of the gut for Colorado. Just yeah, like, hey, we're last place. Vegas won the lottery once. I know. I'd I'd feel more bad for like teams like the Blue Jackets and the Wild and the Predators because yeah. when they the made the league, they, the, the, like the highest they could go was yeah. Right, the yeah. highest they could go was third overall. Um, and, yeah. And they and and also their expansion draft is going to be pretty good. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good players that are going to be unprotected, so um, they'll have a quite a lineup. Um, yeah. maybe, actually, Travel I'm starting to convince myself like, maybe the way, they will make it in three years. To- I'm yeah, starting to convince can. myself maybe uh, they will make it. Trap lottery, by the way, goes April 29th. April 29th is the trap lottery. Okay, interesting. So we'll know who gets the first overall pick uh, yeah, in a April couple 29th. weeks. Okay. Uh, Doug Waite, new Islanders coach. Um, this wasn't surprising. He uh, pretty much made the. Um, I think he had like a crazy record um, since the Islander since he was the Islanders coach, and he pretty much yeah made them into uh, a twelve and four record. Yeah. yeah, he pretty much made them into a playoff contender overnight. Almost, um, they almost made the playoffs. So um, yeah, kudos to them for uh, finding a, a diamond in the rough kind of guy. So um, yeah. Yep, he's there. I, I don't know if you have any other words for him. but Yeah, it finished, as a matter of fact, one point back of the Leafs for the second and final wild card spot. 24-12-4 yep. record. Um, when they, he came in, the Isles were dead last out of eight teams in the powerful Metro Division. Uh, since he took over, fourth in goals four, sixth yep. in shots four. Also had the sixth best penalty kill. They also had a franchise-high nine-game road trip. They went 5-3-1 and one on that. And they ended the year with a six-game winning streak. So, so um, everything just – the stars seem to align, um, albeit not in time to make the playoffs. But the future yeah. certainly looks bright under Doug Waite's watch. Uh, the, the big question is, you know, with the family, uh, whether or not Doug Waite was ready for this. Yep. And um, he said both sides felt confident uh, that, that uh, they could move on um, without the interim take. So, uh, good – uh, for Doug Wade, hopefully uh, the success carries over into next season. Yeah, I agree. I um, the, the the Metro is a pretty tough division, so um, they kind of need a coach to get them in line. Um, I could see them making the playoffs next year. Um, they also need to resign John Tavares. That's that's Arsenal's yeah, biggest task now, now is to resign no, John Tavares. Yeah, I hear I hear that like now like the Maple Leafs are trying to get him, even though he's like he has two more years left in his contract or something. They're already trying to get John Tavares. At least try to get everybody. Yeah, Let's be true. honest. Well, they tried to get Stamkos. Well, no, that, that's why. Because, like, Stamkos is a Toronto guy. So is Tavares. He he grew up in Ontario. So they're trying to, like, get, the, like, all their hometown guys coming home kind of thing. But, you know, they don't they don't necessarily need John Tavares now, you know, if you think about it. Because uh, they have a no. good thing going. Um, Lace, uh, if you're still listening to this, uh, great, I'm happy for you. Uh, social media stuff, uh, Laysome Podcast, um, Facebook is, uh, Laysome Up, uh, you can also, uh, email us at laceupbag at gmail.com, uh, you're probably listening to us on SoundCloud, uh, so subscribe there. Or, you know, subscribe on iTunes, that's great too, um, and give us a good rating there. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's it. I'm Brett Duboff. 
I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll provide more in-depth analysis in Episode 74 of the Lace Em Up podcast.